Hey everybody, welcome to the Life Group Leader Podcast. The topic on our minds today is confession in groups. And joining me are some awesome people. We have Taylor Lowry, the high school pastor here at Fellowship Dallas, and he also holds a master's in arts and Christian education. What's up, Taylor? Not much, Josh. How you doing, man? Good, good. We also have Jesse Lowry, who coordinates the sports and fitness outreach ministry at Northwest Bible Church. He also has a master's of arts and Christian education. Probably got better grades than Taylor at one point, right? How'd that go, Jesse? He did help me with a few papers, but I think our GPAs are pretty equal. Okay. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> it's a, don't worry, we'll have confession later. It's <laughs> and we are joined also by Ryan Lawrence, our Fellowship Dallas star intern for Life Groups. Say hello, Ryan. Hey, everyone. He's on the ones and twos producing over there, too. That's awesome. Today, we're going to talk about confession. We're going to talk about confession in groups. But first, I want to ask you guys, what's your perception of confession? Uh, when you grew up, what did you think about confession? For me, it was watching the movies and seeing the, uh, you know, the movies of the Catholic priest and they walk into the booth and they're telling their darkest, deepest sins and all that kind of different stuff. Everybody kind of has a different perception. We'll talk a little bit about the biblical perception today, but what was your experience of confession? Um, yeah, Josh, I think mine was similar for you. I uh, watched a lot of movies and had some Catholic friends growing up. So I, all I thought about was the confessional booth and having to do the Hail Marys after you shared your sins. Um, for me in church, I had life groups and small groups growing up in student ministry. Um, and I remember confession wasn't ever like a standard part of group. Um, and if it was, it was always encouraged, but I always felt it was a little guilt-based and shame-based. So we were encouraged to share our sins, but we were never usually met with grace. It was always like sharing what we had done wrong and then just kind of having to sit in the uncomfortableness of that. Yeah, for me, it was when I got caught doing something wrong, too. There was always like, now you got to confess and tell us and then face the consequences, really. Yeah, I think mine was similar growing up. Confession was not a huge part of my life or something that I saw. The only time I really saw it was maybe at church every few years, someone would have to get up in front of the congregation and share what they had done wrong publicly. So you had that one extreme. And then fast forward into college and into seminary, confession started to look a little different. We actually had a group in seminary called Fight Club. And I was so excited. I'm like, I'm going to get with these girls and we are going to face our sins. And for the first time, I was excited about confession, but it quickly turned into that cycle of confessing and shame and work harder. But since then, I've also had an awesome experience in confession. And I've realized that when you can confess to people who you trust and who point you back to Christ, then it can be a really good thing. That's awesome. How about you, Ryan? I think for me, I haven't had a lot of experience in my own church background with confession uh, as well. The one time that I can think of where I've been in a small group setting where we tried to practice confession, it, to be honest, was not done very well. Um, it was actually about a two-week-long conference that I was attending, and we were put into different groups that we were supposed to be a part of, um, that we would, at the end of the day, come back you know, and we would discuss certain topics, but there was also supposed to be an element to where we were like our own little community. And so we would talk about our lives and we would share kind of who we were. And to be honest, I can't remember exactly why, but we had an evening where we were 
we were telling a little bit of our testimonies and it became sort of a competition of who can tell the deepest and darkest story um, as each person was sharing. And uh, it got really, it got really dark. So I think it just got to the point where it wasn't really helpful for any of us. It wasn't um, encouraging. It got actually very discouraging. And by the end, it kind of felt like, you know, well, who had the most difficult testimony? And it wasn't really very helpful to us as a group. Yeah, we've all had these different uh, understandings of confession. It's actually probably warped our understanding of it. When we look at confession and, and what it was in the biblical sense, we see confession all the way throughout Scripture. We see awesome things like the Day of Atonement where people just got up and, and confessed that they were sinners and confessed that they need God, the whole people of Israel, and one thing. And we see Jesus being set up in his ministry by John the Baptist. You know, he's out baptizing people in the wilderness and they're coming and they're confessing their sins. They're getting ready to make the way straight for the Lord who's going to come, for Jesus who's going to come. We see uh, confession, the purpose of it is not just this cathartic, like, I got to get this out. It's being received and loved. And it's, it's in a context where you're received and loved. And people aren't just patting you on the back saying, oh, it's going to be okay. They're actually saying, hey, I'm going to walk with you in and through this whole thing. So Jesus does that, and even John talks about it later. He just drops that, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you for your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And that's that ongoing process where Jesus is walking with you and taking care of you and sanctifying you. So confession's an awesome thing, and we don't practice it very much uh, because we come with these weird hang-ups and, and all that kind of different stuff. So today we're going to talk about a little bit about what confession in a group setting is. So can you guys think of a time where confession has been real powerful in your life, where it's impacted you relationally, uh, positively, or you can tell more negative stories too? Yeah, um, Josh, it's a really good question. I appreciate it. Um, I think the first time I had a really actually healthy experience with confession was when I was in college. I had just started to kind of get to know this guy. Um, is our freshman year. We were living on the same hall. And I remember one that we had went on fall break and he came home and uh, we were on the hall together and he just wasn't the same. I just noticed that he was different. And I remember asking him like, hey, man, what's going what's going on? You you know, you're not you're not <laughs> something's up. Um, and I remember he said, man, I can't really talk about it right now. Um, and he he was just kind of he was kind of hiding a little bit. He just didn't want to share. And I remember being like, man, hey, it's OK. You know, whatever it is, I, I want to hear it. And I remember we end up we waited till everybody else in the hall went to sleep and sat out on our dorm hall until like 1 or 2 a.m. Um, and he just confessed um, some decisions he had made while he was home. Uh, and he was really, really tore up about it. Um, the Holy Spirit was really working on him. And he knew what he had done was wrong, and he wasn't okay with it. But he was just hurting, as as we all do, because we're sinners and we sin. Um, and it was cool, I remember, after he confessed that that to me, uh, I just remember sitting and looking at him and go, well, man, I really appreciate you telling me. I don't see you any differently. Um, and I, I thank you for trusting me. Um, and for me, that that really helped. It let me know he trusted me, and he he wanted uh, a really close friendship with me, which was awesome. Um, but for him, uh, I would hope that if he was here, he would say that um, he appreciated being met with grace there. Um, and it's relationally, uh, it did a lot for us. He was actually just the best man in Jesse and my wedding. And so that conversation started off uh, the beginning of what what ended up being a really deep friendship. 
Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up the word trust there and that confession led to trust, which led to a deeper relationship. And I think that's really cool. I know, especially for women, we generally have a hard time trusting people. And so confession or honesty is one of those tools that God's given us to give a little bit of ourselves to someone. And then when it's accepted well or handled well, we then trust them more. And that's the start of those really lifelong, deep friendships. That's cool. Can you think of a a time where that happened? Yeah, I can. For me, it's funny. I had this breakup a few years ago. It wasn't Taylor. (laughs) And I was really struggling. I was dealing with a lot of anxiety and just fear of the unknown. And I remember sitting down with a friend and sharing my honest feelings of like, I'm really angry with God right now. I don't know what he's doing. And that friend unfortunately responded with, it sounds like you really need to pray about that bitterness in your heart. And that immediately I had walls going up like, I don't want to tell you anything else about how I'm feeling. But that same situation, I went and told my mentor I don't know what to do. I have this anger. I don't know what to do with it. And she was like, wow, girl, that's great. Thank you for telling me. God wants to hear that from you. And the difference was instead of repointing out my sin to me, she pointed me to scripture and pointed me to the grace of God that I can confess these things so I can be known. And then that mentorship relationship has only deepened tremendously from that situation, whereas the other friendship has not deepened, unfortunately. It's really interesting the opportunities that God just brings before us as as followers of Jesus, where we can receive people in a real powerful way. And the the crazy thing about that whole thing is there's a whole system set up in in different religions and things like that. There are different practices of the Christian faith where that person you're confessing to is supposed to serve as kind of a mediator between you and God. But that's really not needed, right? Jesus Jesus did all the things that we needed. It's paved away so we don't need a mediator, but we still need relationships here on earth. And we still need to be in relationships and be loved and accepted and be met with grace, just like Jesus would meet us. We call that in the spiritual formation world, incarnating Christ, where you receive somebody, love somebody, and basically model who Jesus is in their life. And And that doesn't mean just accept whatever they're saying and pat them on the back or kind of do something to, you know, pacify, make them feel better. It's it's right there loving and being with them and walking through this whole process with them. Yeah, I think it can be really easy to struggle with the fear and anxiety of being vulnerable. I know that that's a big temptation. I know, at least for me, um, and I sense that is often kind of a common struggle which is to, you know, I want to come and be part of this body of Christ. I want to be part of this fellowship. But, you know, as far as, you know, anything that's hard to talk about, I'm just really going to keep that to myself. That's just between me and God. You know, I can think of a time I was back, uh, let's see, it would have been about four years ago, three and a half years ago, um, fall of 2017 seminary. I was going through a very difficult semester, and I can't quite explain why, but I was exceptionally anxious. I was having panic attacks. It was a very difficult time, and I realized, like, I need to talk to somebody about this because I would pray about it, and that was good, but I felt isolated, and which made it even more frightening, um, just knowing, like, that I'm 
you know, I'm going through this on my own. And so I sat down with my roommate and his, at the time, fiance. I was friends with both of them. And I just told them, you know, I just want you to know that I've been, here's what I've been going through lately. And so I just, I need a little bit of help or just, you know, to let you know, here's what's going on. And so they both responded really well. My roommate came next to me and said, tomorrow morning, let's go to the gym, you know, real early. I'll go with you and we'll just we'll work out together. And uh, his fiance said, you know, like if and if you need a space to talk, you know, we're here. Anything you need to talk about. And so just having that space was so helpful, you know, and that's not necessarily even sin related, um, but just having a sense of a safe place to be vulnerable and let people close to me know like, hey, I can't do this alone. I need help. That's good. Thank you for sharing that. I love how you pointed out that you needed a safe place to share that. And I think back to why don't we share more? Why don't we confess to our community or to our life groups? And that's probably the number one reason is we don't feel safe or we don't feel like we can for fear of judgment or fear of being too known. It's a huge barrier that keeps us from confessing, which then leads to that vulnerability that you were talking about. Yeah, I I was thinking that's, I think, one of the biggest tools that Satan uses against us to keep us from being fully known and fully loved is he he puts that thought in our head that either people don't want to hear those super deep parts of ourselves or that they're going to see us differently and not want to be around us if we share super deep parts that we're we're not really proud of. Um, I think I've had that fear before that I'm going to be seen differently, and I think most of us do, but... I think the reality of the gospel is that um, Christ has paid for all those things and that God sees us as holy and righteous. And I think it's really cool that we can extend that grace and that that gospel truth to other believers when we can say, hey, I know you've been through that. I'm really sorry, but I don't see you any differently. I think that's huge to creating a safe space that makes it easy, uh, easier for people to share those things in confession. That's really good. I'm loving what you guys are saying. It's awesome. The, the two big barriers to relationship are guilt and shame, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're the barrier to our relationship with God. Like we run and hide because we don't think we can be honest with God. And we box ourselves in and put up those walls and barriers um, in relationship with other people, right? Even with our most intimate friends and our spouse, right? That guilt and shame is the thing that drives you down. And Confession is is one of those real powerful things where freedom just kind of breaks loose from, from being truthful, from being honest. As a life group leader, we have a powerful part to play in receiving people like we're talking about, receiving people well, receiving people with love and acceptance and receiving people and helping them understand, hey, shame has no place here in our relationship. Shame has no place here in the context of this circle right, as a group. All right, well, I want to take this conversation a little bit more towards leading groups. So as life group leaders, we have that responsibility to create that safe place, to create that place where guilt and shame um, don't cause relational friction and barriers and all these kind of different things. So as you guys are leading groups and as you guys have been led, what are some things that have happened in your group or instances where God has brought this kind of thing and some best practices along the way? like things that you've experienced, things that you've got to help other people experience. 
I think there are three things that come to mind for me when it comes to best practices for leading confession in a small group. First, uh, first thing that comes to mind is I think giving the group a heads up that that's a part of the group. I'm not saying like you show up to lead the group and you're like, hey, by the way, guys, in 15 minutes, we're, we're confessing our sins to each other. So get ready. Um, but even just like when you're orienting people into the group saying, hey, you know, confession and repentance and forgiveness is something that we see all over scripture in the New Testament. And it's something that I think we need to do together as a group. So almost prepping them with that teaching and that that is going to be a part so that when it happens, they're not caught off guard. Um, the second thing I think as a leader is you've got to go first. You've got to model it. Um, you can't ask somebody to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. And so I think stepping out in faith there and in leadership there of going, hey, if I'm asking people to be vulnerable, I've got to be vulnerable too. And so initiating that as the leader and being the first to step up there as the leader will help your your group to see, oh, okay, this is a safe space. This is a place that we can trust each other and, and be vulnerable and open. And along those lines, the last thing I think is in your orientation and in talking about confession with your group, you've got to set the precedent that what is said in the confession space during group stays in group. People need to know that if they share something that they're hurting over or something that they've done that they won't show up at church on Sunday morning and everybody's going to know about it. (laughs) They need to know that the place that they're sharing that is safe. Kind of like we've talked about already, that there's there's trust and there's a safety um, in vulnerability. And in, and in their authenticity there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this goes hand in hand with listening well. I think it's really important as life group leaders, you know, once someone confesses, it's important to receive it well by not simply just moving on. You know, it can be a little bit uncomfortable. Um, I can think of when I first started seminary, there was, um, he was the leader of spiritual formation and he was talking about the importance of basically being able to respond well when someone shares either something very personal or they confess something in group. He was talking about how he actually was in a group and he shared something that was very difficult and the group sort of just kind of said, okay, well, thank you for sharing and then moved on. And he said, well, I guess I'll just pick up the shattered pieces of my soul here. (laughs) You know, just the feeling of not being seen or heard. Um, And I think that's, well, I think that's very important. And also, You want to make sure that you're not a fixer. I think you're totally right that you don't want to be a fixer, but it's important as a leader of a life group to think through maybe what your response could be. Because we've all been in those situations where someone has shared something really hard and everyone's quiet in the room. They're looking at each other. And this person who just shared is like shrinking in their chair like, oh my goodness, I shouldn't have said that. And so it's important as a leader to be equipped with responses of what to do when that happens. And that could look different. I know in James, it says we confess and we pray. And so maybe it's immediately saying, hey, can I pray for you right now? Or thank you for sharing. I know that must have been difficult. How can we help you? Anything that is going to make them feel loved and supported and not that we're trying to fix their problem that they've probably been stewing over for a great amount of time. We don't want to minimize the struggle that they're going through, but we want to embrace them and lead them into that vulnerability and that safe place. No, that's really good, Jess. I remember one time I was in a small group at a church I was working at with uh, these students, and 
one student very bravely um, shared with the entire group that he was struggling with uh, a porn addiction. Um, and I remember kind of sitting in that silence for a minute and thinking, man, I'm so proud of him. I'm really glad that that he shared that. And then one kid piped up and he was like, you're probably just not reading your Bible enough. Like just, just oh. immediately. It like wasn't even five seconds. And I like sat back in my chair and was like, I cannot believe you just said that to that kid. And it totally like not only did it minimize everything he said, but then he felt on the outs. Then he felt like the worst. I guarantee you, it, he may never share something like that again. And so I had to come in and be like, actually, that's not the way we're going to respond to that. And that's not even his problem. Um, and so totally had to come up and do some damage control because it was it was tough. And I think that just goes to show like it, it our, as humans, our core and our natural bent is not to be empathetic. Our core and our bent uh, is not to be gracious and understanding or even to sit in the uncomfortable nature of confession it's to fix or to minimize or to turn the attention on ourselves a lot of times that's a great point you know when we're thinking through these situations like jesse's talking about and and kind of visualizing what could happen in groups just remember how would you want to be received if you confessed if you had something on your heart and the holy spirit was working um, how would you want people around you to receive you with love and acceptance in a way that um, represents who Jesus is or with awkward trying to fix things or with moving on the, to- the topic really quickly and not, not actually sitting in it? If you're sharing your heart, um, the Holy Spirit's up to it. He's doing something there. When people share like this, he's at work. And so our job as leaders is to step into that. So a couple things just to think about as you are leading your group. Confession is one of those things that's missing, right? We understand that most groups are missing that aspect of confession. Don't try to jam it in there, right? Let the spirit be up to it, but it's your responsibility as a leader to be open to it. If that happens, go with it. See what's going on. If you feel like your group needs something like that, ease into it. The worst thing you can possibly do is just say, hey, we're going to have a night where confession and truth and awkwardness reigns. So just want you to be aware of that. Also, just a couple real quick things that we need to be aware of. If somebody does confess something that you know is a crime against a child or illegal or anything like that, you have to say something. And we can walk alongside you with that. But especially when it comes to a child, it has to be reported to authorities with the whole aspect of we want to take care of that person. We want the best for the person that's confessing. But at the same time, we have a mandatory reporting thing and we have a duty to protect somebody that's in danger. So just keep that in mind as we walk through this. But none of those things should cause us fear because confession is such a powerful, powerful thing that that God has designed for us to do in community. And it can bring freedom. It can bring intimacy in ways that you just would have never imagined in your group. So as we close this up, any final thoughts, guys, on confession and uh, its place in life groups? Yeah, I'll say I have uh, just in my own personal life, um, I have Jesse, obviously, who I confess things to all the time. But uh, I've got a couple of friends, really close friends, who I confess to regularly. And one of them is the guy from that story earlier uh, in college. Um but something we do every time we confess to one another, regardless of which direction it is, if I'm confessing to him or he's confessing to me, we always end it 
with a reminder of the gospel. We always use it as an opportunity to kind of share that grace with one another. And so if if my buddy confesses something to me, you know, I say, hey, man, I'm really sorry that you did that, that you went through that. How are you? And then I say, well, man, I understand and I know you know this, but you're a sinner and you don't deserve anything. Um, but by God's grace, it's by God's grace that we're even doing this act of confession right now. It's by God's grace that Christ died on the cross for that thing that you just confessed to me. And so even in those situations where like they may be tempted to feel guilt or shame there, I think it's a really cool opportunity to share the gospel and say, actually, God still sees you as righteous and holy. And there's there's rest in that and there's freedom in that. I would just encourage anyone who's listening is to press into confession Confession leads to being known. We cannot be fully known if we are keeping our weaknesses away from those who know us best. So press in, build trust with others, and dive into those relationships because as a result, you are going to find a deeper understanding of the gospel, a deeper understanding of grace, which all brings glory to God. And we're going to get to know God and love God more through it. Leaders, if you dig into this, if you press into this, your group will follow and uh, just be prepared for God to just move in a real, really powerful way. Thanks again for being here, guys. We really appreciate you. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you for having us. And Ryan, as always, thank you, man, for producing and doing this whole thing. Appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. All right. This is uh, Josh Carroll signing off for the Life Group Leader Podcast. Be on the lookout for future episodes. We're praying for you. Mm-hmm.